Hello, my name is Isaac Keith Martinez, and welcome to Isaac's Haunted Beard. Today, we are going to talk about some of the highlights from my movie-watching adventures in September of 2021. This episode, recorded and published in October 2021. October? You know what that means. Knee-deep in horror. Every day, lots and lots and lots of horror films. So many horror films that <laughs> I am going to take this opportunity to announce that I'd like to take a little break from podcasting, just for a little break, so I could, A, focus on the many horror films I have programmed for this month, and B, to also focus on a little uh, secret project I'm working on. I'll talk about that when the time is ready. But today we're going to talk about movies <laughs> and uh, some of the ones I watched in September 21 that were new to me that I felt stuck out in a good way. Not that I felt like any of the movies that I watched in September were bad, but these were these were not films I've seen before. I watched 50 movies in September and I, I'd like to point some of them out. Nothing too obscure. I feel like you've heard of these movies. Maybe you've been on the fence or curious about them and would like to know what your old haunted pal thinks about these movies. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> okay. So let's start. Shall we? I watched the film chips from the year 2017. Now, first I'm going to tell you a little bit about the plot and then I'll give you some uh, opinions and such about Chips, the movie, and, you know, what little I can tell you about the Chips TV show. Yes, Chips is based on a TV show. Did you know that? I bet if you're over a certain age, you definitely know that. So, the movie Chips is not about potato chips. It's about uh, Michael Pena who plays an FBI agent who goes undercover as a California Highway Patrol officer to investigate an armored van heist, which is believed to involve corrupt police officers. Pena plays a character named Ponch, that's a nickname, who is partnered with Dak Shepard, who plays John, a rookie, who is an ex-competitive motorcycle rider who was famous for performing stunts. He's the more comedy relief of the duo, and Ponch is the straight man. So that's the most basic description I can give you about the plot to the film Chips. Um, is a comedy. The actual um, mystery... It's, it's good, you know, uh, the payoff of, you know, who's involved with uh, the crimes and so forth. But but you're mainly watching this for jokes. And this is kind of a raunchy film. It's not like super dirty, but I, I, I don't think I would... Um, I, I guess I would gauge whether or not I would watch this movie in front of kids based on the age of my kids and also like the maturity level. But yeah, it's, uh, although I, I think kids would probably like it. I know when I was a kid, I liked 
I liked seeing naughty jokes in movies as I do now as an adult. But um, maybe you don't have to take into consideration kids. I, I don't have kids, so I didn't have to take that into consideration. But I know a lot of you do, so I'd like to point that out. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a raunchy film. So if you think that that kind of stuff doesn't make you laugh, then avoid it. Because it's, um, a, it's a lot of that. <laughs> and the part of me that enjoys that thought it was done well. And, and I recommend it. I recommend it for people who enjoy that kind of comedy. And uh, that's coming from a person who does enjoy that kind of comedy when it's done well. Like, I do think you can be just dirty for dirty's sake or shocking for shocking's sake. And I say, can I, I don't find anything that just immediately tries to be edgy or shocking to be funny if it's not also smart and well delivered. But Chips is well done. So that's why I made the list. That's why I made my highlights from September 2021 list. Uh, Michael Pena, who plays Ponch, is an actor that I really like. Um, I feel like he's one of those actors that you may recognize his face. As far as like mainstream success is concerned, he's probably most recognizable from the films Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. I only mention that because I know that the MCU <clears throat> is a very well-seen collection of films. Uh, personally, I first fell in love with Michael Pena as a comic actor when he played a small role in a movie called 30 Minutes or Less, which I think is very funny. So that's a good movie to compare this movie to. Like, I think if you like the kind of comedy that that movie has, you could also like a movie like Chips. So I'm <laughs> starting this episode by recommending Chips. I saw Chips on HBO Max. I think if i'm not mistaken it's not there anymore but you know how streaming services are they come and they go right like they could take it away for for now and bring it back you know in a month or two from now so you can always like look for it someplace else or, or maybe it'll come back to hbo max um it's even the kind of movie where i would add it to my comedy section of my blu-ray collection but um I don't like it so much like I'd pay a lot for it. Like if I ever found it used or like in a thrift store, or like um, on sale, you know, like a really, really affordable copy. Yeah, then I would I would jump on the on the opportunity. So moving on. Moving on to a film from the year 2021. That's hey, that's this year. <laughs> the Disney film Cruella, which I'm sure you know about. You know that it exists at the very most, right? You know that it's um, a live-action feature film that is a backstory to the Cruella DeVille character, which is the villain from the animated film 101 Dalmatians, which you may or may not have seen. I'm guessing you've seen it. Maybe a long time ago. <laughs> so let me just quickly go through the, um, the plot of Cruella. Estella is a homeless orphan with a knack for fashion. <laughs> And getting into trouble. You like that? That's my little radio DJ kind of voiceover kind of. Isaac, just stop talking like that. Just talk normal. Get through it. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear your shenanigans. So as I mentioned, she's a homeless orphan with a knack for fashion and getting into trouble. As an adult, she ends up working for a department store as a janitor. But works her way up to being an assistant to a fashion designer who's known as the Baroness, 
who she later believes may be responsible for her mother's death. So you know what? Time for revenge! She creates an alter ego named Cruella, who constantly steals the spotlight from the Baroness by crashing all of her parties and fashion shows with her crew with the intention of one-upping her, but ultimately with the plans to bring her down. Now, I feel like more than any other movie on this list, this is the one that I, I could picture a lot of people going, I don't want to see that. And frankly, I'm surprised you're recommending it. Well, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to think I have versatile taste. I saw the trailer and I thought it visually looked, you know, stimulating. And that's actually how I approached it. I thought I may not like the story, but I think it'll be pretty to look at. Well, it was pretty to look at. I was right there, but also I thought it was a good story. I thought it was well-performed, you know, great performances by the, by the cast. And, you know, I've seen some complaints on Twitter about how Disney tries to, um, make their villains sympathetic by giving them these sympathetic backstories. And people think that's like, I don't know if they think that's, um, <laughs> I guess I can't speak for those people. What do they think? They think it's somehow like cheapens it. Like it's somehow, um, a shortcut to trying to make them interesting. I don't know. The, the point is I, I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I think that uh, bottom line is if, if it's a good story and if it's a good movie, uh, I'm going to like it. And, um, I have an easy time separating this from 101 Dalmatians. I don't even consider myself a big fan of 101 Dalmatians. I am, I, I do like, I am a fan of, of, of Disney. I, I am into certain or more than certain. I, I like a handful of animated films that Disney has done over the years. I like their movies. I don't like all of them. I like many of them. I like enough of them to, to lean towards considering myself a Disney fan. Um, and 101 Dalmatians is, is good, but I don't think it's great. It's definitely not on my favorites list. It's, I mean, if I never saw 101 Dalmatians ever again, I wouldn't miss it. I wouldn't care. It wasn't that good enough for me to go, I, I'm in a mood to watch 101 Dalmatians. Um, which is the kind of voice I use when I'm in the mood to watch a movie. And like, I'm in the mood to watch Evil Dead 2. Um, but, uh. But yeah, there's a lot of Disney films that I, I, I do get in the mood to watch. Um, so I guess my, my bigger point is I'm not precious about 101 Dalmatians and its canon and its lore. So I very easily separated that animated film from the feature film. I don't care if it... If you want to use the, the, the phrase ruined, if you want to say it ruins 101, you know what? Let it ruin it. I don't care. Go ahead, ruin it up, because I think it's better than 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, I said it, meaning I could picture myself being in the mood to rewatch Cruella more than I would be picture myself being in the mood to rewatch 101 Dalmatians. Now, I am familiar with 101 Dalmatians, and if you are familiar with it, and if you like it, or if you're just curious, um, I would recommend sticking through the credits because there is some Easter eggs that I think really pay off for people who are very familiar with the 101 Dalmatians feature film, which by the way, I mean, not that this is important or not, it's just kind of curious and interesting. Um, did you know 
Like a lot of older, especially animated films from Disney, 101 Dalmatians is not an original concept from Disney. It is, in fact, uh, based on a book. I don't know if it's a novel or if it's a children's book or what. I just know it was originally a book before it was a movie. So I do like Corella. I think it's um, it's it's beautiful to look at. It's a very beautiful looking film. Um, and because it has to do with fashion and because the character of Corella is kind of like the origin story to a villain, because she's not really a villain in this movie. Um, but because she kind of has like touches of that sinister um, quality that's going to you know, blossom more into uh, the future stories. Um, her fashion sense is a little bit, it's interesting, you know, it's not like boring. It's its definitely got that kind of like devilish touch to it. And I really appreciate that. So I'm saying, if you're curious, watch it. It couldn't hurt. I mean, it is two hours. I don't know if that's too long for you, but um, if there is some part of you that like trusts me and, and goes, ah, he usually uh is on the same page as i am then yeah go for it but if you've already made up your mind that this isn't the movie for you then don't watch it i ain't the boss of you you the boss of you <laughs> so there you go cruella um <laughs> let's move on shall we i watched two horror films that are connected and they are ouija which, you know, if you don't know, Ouija is, I guess, the correct pronunciation of O-U-I-J-A. Ouija, is that how people usually say it? You know, the, the board that you talk to the spirits with. Um, Ouija, from the year 2014, and its prequel. Yes, it's a prequel, not a sequel. And it says so in the title, Ouija Origin of Evil. 2016, which I don't think it's the origin of evil so much as the origin of this particular evil that pertains to this story, this franchise. <laughs> so let me just quickly go through the plots of both films back to back, and then I'll give you my, my rundown and why I'm bring, bringing it to your attention. So let's start with Ouija from the year 2014. After the supposed suicide, and I'm saying supposed because was it a suicide or was it a murder? What do you think? It's a horror film. <laughs> Would it be a spoiler if I just said it was a murder? It's a murder. So after the supposed suicide of a teenage girl, her best friend finds her Ouija board. That's the Ouija board of the, the victim. While looking through her stuff, she starts playing with it with friends. And now a ghost is haunting her and all of her friends. The same ghost responsible for the death of her friend. Now... We move on to a quick summary of the second film. You notice how I'm not doing spoilers. It's partly because I just, I'm sensitive to you. I don't want you to have things ruined for you. And plus there's just not enough time when you're reviewing a whole bunch of movies in one episode and not just focusing on one, you don't got time to take all day to talk about the movie. Just watch the movie. Okay. So Ouija origin of evil, this film, being a prequel, the origin story, this one takes place in the year 1967. A single mother of two works out of her home as a spiritual medium. Here is a spoiler. She's a fake. She's not really a spiritual medium. Now, one could go, well, there's no such thing as spiritual mediums because I don't believe in them. Well, that's fine. But 
for the point of this story, the point of this film, you have to at least in the in, in the fictional world of the story, uh, they do exist, and um, and she's not one of them. She's a she's a fraud. After incorporating an Ouija board into her act, it inadvertently invites a spirit into her home that possesses her nine year old daughter. Now, I am aware, because I read the tweets, that the second film, Ouija Origin of Evil, is the popular one, and the first one isn't. In fact, I've seen people go so far as to say that only the second film is good and the first film is bad. And I am here to disagree. I think if you watch both films, especially back-to-back, now I didn't watch them back-to-back in the same day. I watched them back-to-back over the course of two different days which I think helps because it allows each story to kind of sink in and have its own identity with the viewer. But if you do watch them back to back, I think you'll find that the two films complement each other well. Now, I am a sucker for horror films, and I'm a sucker for Ouija boards and spirits and possessions. I love all that stuff. It's creepy. I'm even a sucker for movies that take place in the past, even if they weren't made in the past. You know, you have a movie from 2016 taking place in the year 1967. I like that. I like the look of movies that take place in the past and i feel like a part of its charm is not just like getting to spend time in the past which kind of has the charm of going through the filter of nostalgia and like presenting the past in this kind of like romanticized way but also because i find that potential victims and victims are more vulnerable in the past versus now i feel like they're smartened up today especially by people who have seen a bunch of horror films since then so they approach how they want to survive horror scenarios differently than they would if they were in a situation in the 60s or the 70s where things like this might be more new to them i think the first film is good i don't think it's great but since when do horror films have to be great in order to be fun and that might sound like it doesn't make sense if you're not a horror fan but i think if you are a horror fan that's like really 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 into horror i think you'll you don't need me to twist your arm to sell you on the concept that we here for those of you who don't like horror here's what i'm revealing to you this is not a shocking revelation we love bad horror films <laughs> why because we're crazy and we're forgiving because we love spending time in this world and the thing is when you have like an old horror film like from like what is old i mean i guess for the sake of this conversation in, in this example movies from the 70s and 80s especially which is widely considered the golden time of horror films bad horror movies from the 80s are forgiven why they're still bad i think it's because they're old and people like to romanticize um, the vintage quality of the film. Now, that doesn't mean they stopped making bad horror films. So why can't we recognize that a bad horror film that is more recent is still fun, even if it's bad? And that's if you were to think that Ouija from 2014 is bad, which I don't. But I'm just saying, I'm going to go along with the idea that people said it's bad. Does that mean it's not enjoyable? You didn't like it? I think it's fun. In the 80s, I mean, maybe you're not old enough to live through the 80s. I lived through the 80s. At the time, did you see those same movies that are considered bad, but yet so bad they're good, and recognize them as good then? Like you looked at the way it was being treated by 
critics and 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 your peers and so forth and went oh everyone says it's bad but i think it's fun i like it i i did but then again i was a kid so i was kind of easy to please but i have revisited them i recognize that they are air quotes bad but they're still fun and i feel like i still have that ability to do that now that i can watch a movie like ouija and go okay i guess i can kind of see why you think it's bad but i think it's good and I think it is, I don't know how good I'd think it was if it was just a standalone film, but with Ouija Origin of Evil as its um, companion piece, I think it's good. It's good as a chapter one and a chapter two. So I am going to recommend Ouija and Ouija Origin of Evil for people who like horror films who have a ability to get over themselves. <laughs> yeah, I said it. What are you going to do about it? Okay, so speaking of horror, I'm going to talk about a horror film that I, I think is not so bad. It's good. I think it's so good. It's good. From the year 2019, I watched a film called Hole in the Ground. Or is it called The Hole in the Ground? I can't remember. I'm going to very briefly explain to you the story of Hole in the Ground. There is a single mother and her young son. When I say young, I don't really know how old he is. I want to say about nine, maybe eight. And they move to a house out in the middle of nowhere next to a lot of woods you know they're just surrounded by the forest and uh one day while going in a walk through the woods uh they encounter the title <laughs> thing the hole in the ground and hey that's a hole in the ground that's dangerous you don't want to fall in a hole in the ground so you know the mother is very careful to uh to let the sun know don't go out and play in the forest with you know by yourself it's dangerous another thing is like a first half of the film they spend a lot of time showing the relationship between the mother and the son and that's for two reasons one to show just how much she loves her son and two to really show all the different things all the little nuances of the boy's personality things that he likes things that he doesn't like just so you as a viewer know what the boy's personality is like and what he does and what he doesn't do you know because one day the boy doesn't come home and she freaks out. The boy is missing and she calls the police. My son is missing and she goes to the police station. And when she comes home, guess what? Her son's home. He's back. Where have you been? But we know, we know, not only she, of course, we as the viewer notice this boy is very different. All the things we learned about him in the first half of the film has changed. All the little things in his personality has changed. And she starts to wonder, is this really my son? Dude, how creepy is that? You got to watch it. I think it's good. So I recommend The Hole in the Ground. I'm not going to say anymore. All right. The last one I want to mention before I end this episode is a film from the year 2020 called Becky. And this was a movie that came out during the height of quarantine, during the pandemic, and it enjoyed success in drive-ins. Because movie theaters were closed, people could still go to see films in the drive-in. If you were lucky enough to have a drive-in where you lived, and a lot of mainstream big Hollywood big budget pictures did not get released in the drive-in during this time. So smaller independent thrillers and horror films and such thrived during this era. And one of them was Becky, 
which was in fact the number one movie in America while it played in drive-ins. It's not the kind of film that would have even, I think, been a blip on the radar had COVID-19 not even happened. But here's the plot of Becky. Once again, without spoilers, Becky is a 13-year-old girl who is not happy that her trip to her family's lake house will not be just her and dad. Because, you know, she he's a single dad. Like she thought, you know, her, her, her mom died. And she's still, you know, not that you ever get over that, but she's, she's currently not over it. <laughs> so she just wants to go to the lake house with her dad and her, like old times, I guess. And, and that changes uh, because it will also be attended by her dad's girlfriend and her son. Who are, who are cool, you know? She's not like a wicked stepmother type. She's a, she's a cool lady and her son's nice. And she goes out to pout in the woods. And while she's gone, her home is invaded by a gang of neo-Nazis who just escaped prison. She becomes the hero of this film because the movie is, after all, called Becky and she's Becky. She becomes the hero of this film and she goes into full-on home alone Kevin McAllister mode minus the comedy. This is a very violent film. It's not so much a horror film, but I guess if you're very sensitive to violence, I could see how you would consider it a horror film. I think it's more of a thriller. And I don't want to say much more. I, I will say something that I think you, if you have heard of this film, you are aware that the lead villain, the leader of the gang, is uh, played by Paul Blart, mall cop, Kevin James, who I knew that going into it, and I was a little dreading that I wouldn't be able to take him seriously as a villain, but he really is a great actor, and he really loses himself in the role, and you don't see Paul Blart. You see the character he's playing. He is great, and by all means, I'd love to see Kevin James do more dramatic roles. So, uh, I don't want to say much more. I want to, if you are curious, if you're on the fence about Becky, give it a shot. Give it a chance. It is good. It has my seal of approval. I really enjoyed Becky. And there you have it, folks. I just wanted to give you um, at least one more episode this month. I am going to take a break. I'm not 100% certain when I'm going to come back. I do want to watch. I do want to throw myself into horror this month. I hope you're doing the same if you love horror. And I also have, like I said, a secret, top secret, super duper project that I'm working on. And I'm very excited about it. And I look forward to that uh, becoming a part of all your lives eventually. Um, it's actually not my project. It's me helping a friend who uh who i very much respect and adore and his his project so you know <laughs> everything will be revealed in due time in the meantime thank you for spending time with me uh, i hope you're you're enjoying your october uh please take care of yourself and each other and until next time aloha